Have you seen the uh, popular television show, This Is Us? Raise your hand if, if you've seen that, at least one episode, all right? I really, really like the show. I, I wasn't wild about the last episode, uh, but overall, I really like the show. And in, in case you don't know what I'm talking about, let me kind of refresh or, or set the stage for you. Uh, Jack and his wife, Rebecca, are expecting triplets in the very first episode. <clears throat> One of the babies, as they go to the hospital, one of the babies is stillborn. And so they're left with little baby Kate and little baby Kevin. And before they leave the hospital, they find out that an African-American gentleman has brought his baby to the fire station and they had brought the baby to the hospital. He wanted his baby to have a better future, so so he he was hoping somebody would adopt that baby. And, And before they leave the hospital, Jack and... Rebecca are faced with this decision, this moment. Do we take this little black baby and make him part of our family? And in that moment, as they try to wrestle with that decision, they said, yes, he, he's a precious little child, and we want him to be part of our family. And so, really, the rest of the series is, is kind of the story of how those three lives, Randall, baby Randall, Kate, and Kevin, and their parents, how their lives are intertwined as adults. And it all traces back to that moment when they made a decision to accept Randall into their family. Now, This Is Us is a fictional story, but it's a great illustration of how one unexpected encounter, one unexpected twist, one decision can shape your entire life. We all have those kind of moments, don't we? We we have those kind of moments where decisions that we make shape the lives that we live. And sometimes that's in a good way, and sometimes it's in a bad way. You probably know someone who made a bad decision. They had one weak moment, and their lives were changed forever. Maybe that's you. Maybe you can look back on one weak moment, one bad decision, and how it has impacted your life for years. It's not hard for us to grasp that concept that poor decisions can last a lifetime. In fact, on Wednesday, another illustration, on Wednesday it was announced that two juveniles in East Tennessee were charged with setting the wildfire uh, that killed 14 people and destroyed 1,700 buildings in the Gatlinburg area. One bad decision. One tragic time where their lives are changed forever in one careless moment. As well as, of course, all the people affected by the fire. So we understand the power of a bad decision. We, we get that. We, we recognize the, how one moment can change all the moments of our lives. We understand the power of a bad decision. But I'm not sure that we truly understand the power of a good decision. I'm not sure that we truly understand how one decision can, uh, can shape our lives in a good way. One moment, can make, we can make our de- a, a decision that can change our lifetime uh, forever. Now, I bet if we had the time, you could tell a story of some time back in your life where you could point back to some time when you made a good decision. You, you wrestled with it, perhaps, but it was still a decision that perhaps is still having a positive impact on your life today. Do you know what I've learned about good decisions, though? I've learned that good decisions are not always easy decisions. Good, yes. Easy? Not necessarily. In fact... Some of the hardest decisions of your life may become some of the best decisions of your life. 
There's a story in the Bible about a teenager who was faced with the biggest decision of her life. Without question, it was the biggest decision of her life. Someone said that choices are the hinges of destiny. And that really is going to be true in the story we're going to look at in just a moment. Of this young teenager. This young teenage girl who made a choice and it became the hinge of her destiny. In an unexpected moment, this young teenage girl faced a choice that literally defined and shaped her entire life. This young teenage girl, of course, her name is Mary, and she had a moment where she made a life-altering choice, and it's found in the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. Would you open God's Word with me? Gospel of Luke. In, in this series, we're looking at Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, kind of working our way through that text, this Christmas series. <clears throat> Luke chapter 1, last week we looked at the angel Gabriel appearing to Zechariah and telling him that he and his wife Elizabeth would have a son in their old age who would ultimately become John the Baptist. Now today we, we move on to verse 26, and here's what we read, verse 26. In the sixth month, that is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pre- pregnancy, uh, going back again to Zechariah and Elizabeth, when, she, when Elizabeth was six months pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel on another mission. God sent the angel Gabriel, this time not to Jerusalem, but to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Folks, have you read, as you've read the Gospels, have you noticed that angels usually don't make appointments before visiting? They just kind of show up, don't they? Unexpectedly, they're just kind of there. They just kind of pop in, and all of a sudden they're there, and they've got an announcement. There's something they want to do. Angels don't usually make, make an appointment. So Gabriel makes this unexpected visit, and he appears to Mary in this sleepy little town called Nazareth. Now, Nazareth is a town that's just 70 miles or so north of Jerusalem. I've been there. Even today, it's not that much of an impressive little town, especially it was true in Mary's time. It was a a sleepy little obscure town, and in that obscure little town was an obscure little teenage girl named Mary. The Bible describes this teenage girl this way, verse 27. As I read the verse, I want you to look for a word that's repeated in the verse. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, the virgin's name was Mary. Now, what word did you see repeated there? Virgin. The word literally means one who has never been involved in a sexual relationship. And Mary confesses in verse 34 that she is a virgin. Look what it says. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The Old Testament prophesied this same thing. Isaiah 7, 14, Isaiah said, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and have a son, and they will name him Emmanuel. Now, I want to pause here for just just for a second to clarify something, to make a point. There was a prominent pastor, I don't usually do this kind of thing, but there was a prominent pastor last Sunday in his Christmas message talking about if Jesus can predict his, his death and resurrection and then accomplish that, he said, I don't really care how he got here. I want you to know something. How he got here is of uttermost importance to our faith. 
how he got here, the fact that he was virgin born, is the foundation of everything that we believe. And though he may not make a big deal out of it, it seems like the Bible makes a big deal out of it. Here in this text, two times in one verse, it says that Mary was a virgin. Verse 34, Mary declares herself as a virgin. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah declares that Jesus would be born of a virgin. You see, the importance of the virgin birth cannot be overstated. It is one of the central doctrines of our faith. You see, the incarnation of Jesus, and that, that simply means that God is flesh. The incarnation where God became flesh hinges on the truth that Jesus was born of a virgin. You can't have God in flesh unless you understand that he, he was not born by mere human terms. Not only is the incarnation hinging upon the virgin birth, but the death of Jesus on the cross as your substitute hinges on the virgin birth. Because here's the way it works. The only way that his sacrifice could mean anything was that he had to be pure and sinless and perfect. And if he had just been another ordinary man, he would have been none of those things. But because he was born of a virgin, planted by God in the womb of Mary, then he was sinless and perfect and could be the sacrifice for our sins. Ladies and gentlemen, he is not just a good man that happened to die on the cross. He was God in flesh who entered the world through the womb of a virgin named Mary. Now, I'll get off that soapbox and go on to verse 28. Verse 28, the angel went to her, to this teenage girl, and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. When the angel came, he, he announced that she was highly favored. The, the, the phrase highly favored means that, that she had God's favor on her, that God looked on her with favor. Now, let's continue to read and see what happens. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this could be. This word greatly troubled means she was thoroughly shaken. She was shaking in her boots. She was thoroughly shaken by the fact that this angel was appearing to her. Now, before I go any further, I've got to make sure you understand something. We've got to try to get into the shoes of Mary. You need to understand that this is not just a story. This is a person. All right? And this person happens to be a teenager. Now, the reason we believe that is because in Jewish culture, most of the time, when, when, when the, uh, the young ladies married as Jews, they always were, they, they married young. They were teenagers, usually when they married. And speculation is rampant about how old Mary was. Some say she was as young as 13. Some maybe say she was maybe 15. I, I don't know how old she was. Let's give her the benefit of the doubt that she was 18 or 19. I don't know. But she was young. And now, help, help me here. Does anybody have a teenage daughter or granddaughter that's somewhere between 13 and 18? Raise your hand if you do. All right. How would you, how would you like for them to be the mother of Jesus? Would that not be mind-boggling? I mean, my youngest daughter is 25 years old. She's a wonderful young lady. She can do anything she sets her mind to. But if she came home and told me, I'm going to give birth to Jesus. Well, I just don't know. No, that's, no, you're just 25. You can't handle that. Mary. Mary was a teenager. 
when the angel appeared to her. You need to make sure you get that so that you can understand something we're going to look at in just a moment. Mary was a young teenager, an obscure young lady living in an obscure village of Nazareth. Now, let's keep reading. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called not just your son, Mary. He will be called the Son of the Most High. She recognized when, when the angel told her that, that, she, that the angel was talking about that Jesus would be God in flesh, Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob. What's that next word? Forever. As a Jew, she would recognize that Old Testament prophecy. She would recognize that this one that the angel is telling her about is the fulfillment of that Old Testament prophecy made hundreds of years ago. His kingdom will never end. That's why Mary has this question in verse 34. Her mind is racing and she says in verse 34, How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? She understood that what the angel was saying was not that one day you'll get pregnant after you and Joseph come together. She understood the angel was saying, you're going to be pregnant from this time forward. You are about to become pregnant with the most holy Son of God. And that's why she asked the question, how could this be since I'm a virgin? In verse 35, don't miss verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now that is an amazing announcement. But I'm convinced that this young teenager understood it was also a costly invitation. See, she had a lot to lose if she takes God's hand and goes where God wants her to, to go. She will probably lose her reputation as the nice girl of Nazareth. She stands to lose the man that she loves when he hears that she's expecting and he knows it's not his. She'll probably lose that relationship. She probably won't have the wedding she always dreamed of. And oh, by the way, in that culture, in that time, according to Jewish custom and law, she could be stoned to death for sexual sin. So Mary has a very legitimate question about this assignment from God. How can this be since I'm a virgin? Literally, here's what she was saying. Literally, she was saying, what you were saying to me doesn't seem possible. She can't see any way that this thing that God wants to happen can happen. And so the angel explains how the Holy Spirit will come upon her and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And then there's this phrase, I want you to see it. Uh, verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. Literally, that word nothing, I love that word nothing because it literally could be translated this, this way, no thing is impossible. With God. No thing. Or you could translate it this way. Not one thing is impossible with God. So this angel is speaking to this young teenager. And the young teenager is saying, I don't understand how this is possible. And the, and the angel says, you need to understand that nothing, no thing, not one thing is impossible 
with God. Could be some of you are facing something that humanly is impossible right now. It's financially impossible. It's relationally impossible. It's medically impossible. Whatever it is, you may be asking the question, how, like Mary asked, how will? And the answer is, He will. You don't have to be the answer. You don't have to create the answer. You don't have to scheme the answer. You see, the answer doesn't come from you. It comes to you. Uh, the solution is not man's invention. It is God's intervention. And as long as you're trying to face your challenge with human calculations, you'll probably give up. I want to say that again. As long as you are facing your challenge and you're viewing it through your human calculations, you will probably give up. You'll panic. You'll crumble. But in that first Christmas season, Mary found something better than being overwhelmed. She made a lordship decision that changed her life. A lordship decision that was costly. A lordship decision that she had to struggle with. And I, am, I, I just got to tell you that I'm challenged by how this young teenage girl responds to what God wants to do in her life. Here's what she says in verse 38. Make sure you get this. Here's what she says. Here's the conclusion. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And those simple words changed everything. That was the moment that made all the other wonderful moments for Mary possible. That was the day that changed all of her other days. Her entire future would be molded around that moment, around that decision where she said yes to God. Because of that surrendered spirit that she had, because of her surrendered future, Mary had the opportunity and the privilege to carry the Son of God in her womb. Because of that surrendered spirit and that surrendered future, Mary had the opportunity to nurse the Son of God and to raise the Son of God. And it all could be traced back to that moment when she said, I am the Lord's servant. As one writer said, extraordinary acts of God begin with ordinary acts of obedience. It's a great quote. You and I, we all have these moments when sometimes we have to decide what we're going to do. And lots of times we don't understand the importance of the moment. Lots of times we don't understand the magnitude of the decision. We do not realize that what we're going to decide will play out for the rest of our lives. Some of you could give a testimony of the impact that, that a lordship decision made in your life. The impact of how the Lordship decision shaped your life. You can look back to a time when you were a teenager or a college student and you guarded your virginity and that Lordship decision shaped your life. Or maybe you're a single mom and you decided to tithe though you couldn't afford it and that decision of faith, that Lordship decision has shaped your life financially. Or maybe you're divorced and, and you, there was a time when you were angry and you were bitter but you made a lordship decision, and it was a hard one, and you struggled with it. But you made a lordship decision to let go of the anger, let go of the bitterness, and that has shaped your, the last few years for you, hasn't it? 
Or you said yes when God prompted you to go on a mission trip, and you didn't want to go, and, and you're afraid of going, and you, you didn't know why people go on these kind of trips anyway, and, but you made a lordship decision, and you saved your money, and you went, and now because you put your feet on foreign soil and you looked into the faces of people who've never heard the gospel, now God has captured your heart for the nations. A lordship decision shaped the rest of your life. Maybe you're struggling with God's call on your life right now, and right now you're wrestling with this costly decision. And the, answer, and the question is, will you be able to say what Mary did? Here's a lesson I want you to remember as you're wrestling with that. Lordship moments always shape our destiny. Those moments when we wrestle with God's will and our desires... That's a, real, that's a real struggle, isn't it? God's will and my will. That's a lordship decision. Those moments when, when fear battles our faith, it's a lordship decision. When, when my fear wants to take over, when my fear wants to make the decision, when my fear wants to run, when my fear wants to say no, but faith says yes. You see, those lordship decisions that shape our lives are sometimes difficult and scary. Those moments when we question, God, is this really you? God, is this really what you want me to do? Are, and you have to decide, are you willing to follow Him to a place of costly obedience? Are you willing to follow Him into this place of costly obedience? Obedience and that lordship decision shapes the rest of your life. You'll have to say, like Mary, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. You see, for all of us, it comes down to this we all need a Mary moment. M A R Y. We all have Mary moments where we have to decide, will I trust in the power of God and will I surrender to the plan of God? Mary had that moment. Will I trust in the, in the power of God? She said, what you're saying doesn't seem possible. Will I trust in the power of God and will I surrender to the plan of God? Both, both of those are lordship decisions. In your life right now, are you willing to trust in the power of God and surrender to the plan of God? We all have those merry moments when life will never be the same if we will say yes. Those merry moments when life will not be what it could have been because we said no. I want to ask you today, would you be willing to say what Mary said in verse 38? If, if it's not marked in your Bible, it ought to be. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I am the Lord's servant. You see, it really comes down to this. You're either God's servant, or you want God to be your servant. I am the Lord's servant is when I'm willing to say, I will, I will trust in the power of God. I will surrender to the plan of God. I am the Lord's servant. Lord, I'm here to serve you. 
But if you're not willing to say that, then what you're really saying is, God, I want you to be my servant. I want you to serve me. Because I've got dreams and I've got plans and I don't want to make this costly decision. And Too often, in those moments of destiny, we miss what God could do in our life because we're not willing to say, I am the Lord's servant. It's in those moments when we wrestle with costly decisions that we too often think, my way is better. My plan is better. His way is too costly. His way is too difficult. But it's in those lordship decisions that your life is shaped. And it's in those lordship decisions, though they are hard sometimes, difficult, it's in those lordship decisions where you honor God the most. I want you to bow your heads with me for a moment. I want to talk to you as your pastor. Today I'm asking you to consider this your merry moment. To be willing to trust in the power of God and to surrender to the plan of God. I don't know what your decisions are. I don't know the struggles you're facing or the opportunities that may be before you. I don't know what your merry moment might be about, but it really boils down to the same thing she had to struggle with. Do I really trust in the power of God? And I'm, am I really ready to surrender to the plan of God? Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And from that moment, the direction, the destiny of her life was totally changed. I hope that in this invitation, this will be a time for you to have a merry moment. Time for you to come to this altar just privately between you and the Lord, and you declare, God, I trust in your power, and I surrender to your plan. I know it might be costly. I know it might be difficult for you to make that kind of a decision. I recognize that there's, there's struggle involved, and humanly you look at it and say, this doesn't seem possible from a human standpoint. But it's not about what's possible for you to do. It's all about what God wants to do in you and then through you. So would you make this your merry moment? Would you come and just declare to Him once again, I trust in your power and I surrender to your plan. Father, in the name of Jesus, As we wrestle with these moments that really chart the course of our life. As we wrestle with these lordship decisions. May we declare that you are Lord and we are not. In Christ's name I pray.